Good gracious. How many of you would give us an extra 10 minutes this morning? Well, there's three of you, bless God. <laughs> Man, it has been great. Somebody said, you better take that offering. They're going to be leaving. No, if you need to leave, you go ahead and leave. If you don't want to be blessed and you don't want the blessings of God on you, you just haul yourself on out of here. We're going to take the offering up at the end. I didn't tell Brother Aaron this because uh, I, I, I don't ever, he is so accommodating. And I didn't want him to cut out any song or cut out anything. So today we are so blessed. We have been supporting for what, a year? This is our first year. We helped uh, Samuel Hughes and his sweet family. Is your family here? This, would y'all stand up? Where, where are y'all at? There, there they are up there in the top, okay? Thank y'all. Samuel is our missionary to the Ukraine. And uh, if you know anything about the Ukraine, you know we've had a little trouble over there this year. And uh, he was here for our uh, Lord's Supper service. I didn't see him, but I asked him to come and just share 5, 7, 10, 15, 20, 20, something like that. Just one story uh, just about the Ukraine uh, because uh, uh, these people have gone through the fire. And uh, he's relocated now, but he hadn't stopped ministering. He's still ministering. And we praise God. Would you welcome Samuel Hughes this morning? Thank you, brother. It is such a pleasure to be with you, and thank you from the bottom of our heart for your support. Um, it really is the prayers and the support of our churches that have really got us through this year. I've never longed for heaven as I have this year, and the songs really spoke to me this morning. I think one of the reasons we don't long for heaven enough is we just got a little too comfortable here. And, uh, right, I've not had that opportunity this year. But the Lord has been good, as he says in Psalm 46, he is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. So he's just not a help then, but he's a help now. And he's been with us this, uh, this year. So we've been in Ukraine for 12 years, over 12 years now. And in February, we had to relocate our family. And, uh, and we had about five days notice before we got out, before the war began. And now we're in Bucharest, Romania. Uh, I had plans. Normally, I train youth pastors and, and youth workers through local uh, seminaries and Bible colleges, so most of my normal job is being a seminary professor, but that has not, has not happened this year. Most of this year, I found myself ministering to refugees that have come to Bucharest from different parts of Ukraine, and I just want to share a couple stories of how uh, God has used you in our lives to bless Others who have been affected by the war. Knowing Russian and uh, understanding Ukrainian, me and my wife were enlisted by six partnering Romanian churches to be a part of the refugee center. Now imagine this refugee center is about half the size of this church, and that's the entire church. And we would have about 91, 90 to sometimes even close to 100 refugees staying overnight. Now this was kind of a, a center where we have people coming in two to three days and then they leave. But because there were so few people who could speak um, Russian and Ukrainian at the time, because most of your pastors, most of your people had to stay in Ukraine. So um, I would spend most of my day, especially the first couple months, just translating and then sitting down at a table, talking to people, hearing their stories. And so I just want to share two of those stories with you. First story has happened one uh, about the second week we were there. Uh, one of the cities that was bombed most heavily is Kharkov, Ukraine. And this is in the northeastern part of Ukraine near the Russian border. And it is the second largest city in Ukraine before the war. And it was very heavily bombed. One of my good friends from the International Mission Board had to relocate his family to Bucharest as well from that city. Well, this one woman came in to the refugee center, and I was at that time translating and helping people process in. And she came uh, very melancholy. She was probably in her 50s uh, with her daughter. And I started talking to her in, in Russian and saying, hey, you know, how are you? I'm, I'm Sam. I'm here to help you. Uh, can I help you get, get things settled? And she had these really just dark eyes. And I never forget those eyes, because she looked at me, and the only thing she could say was, it's all gone. It's all gone. And so 
I said, I know you're here now. This is a safe place for you. We'll take care of you. We're going to get you some food. But I, I, before we do this, the government requires that we, you know, process you in, that we have a, a record of you being here. So I need to see your passport. I need to get your passport. And you can take your, your, your uh, uh, phone and just take a picture of it. And we had a form, and it was all laid out for. She could not just process process getting her phone out and taking a picture and, and doing what she needed to do. So she handed me her passport, and I said, ma'am, don't ever, ever hand someone your passport. That's dangerous. I said, you, you, we'll take care of you, but here. So I took her phone, and I did it right here with her, and I got her processed in. We walked down the hall. I picked up their bags. They had two bags that they came in off the train, and I got them to her room, closed the door, cried, and never saw them again. But I pray that the people in that center, along with others, they got to feel the love of Jesus. Just someone that was one of them. They were there coming from Harkov literally 20 hours all day traveling to get to Bucharest. Another thing that we did often was, that, um, as a former youth pastor and a guy who loves young people, whenever there was enough young people in the center, we would go and walk them about 20 minutes to McDonald's and get them some ice cream. Because it was just a good way to get to know them and get out of the... The, you know, the craziness of things going on there. And one, two girls that went with us, um, my wife got to know, Katya and Yulia, and their family ended up staying in Bucharest. And later on, they became a part of a, a youth group that we were doing with Campus Crusade for refugee young people. And uh, as they uh, got to share their faith with the other people that were there, because they came from a Christian home, and God has blessed them. And we have, too, even to this day, been able to, over time, build relationships with them and other young people uh, through just being available. Uh, some, our, our ministry is like a moving target right now. There's a need here, we go over here. If there's a need here, we go over there. Uh, but we are, are, faith, are sure that the Lord will continue to be faithful. Um, last, I just wanted to share, you know, we think about the war. And I've never had it as so much a present reality in my life as I do now. It's very hard to, to realize that you are not in control. God's in control. And if he is, I don't have to be. And so I have to give that to him. And Psalm 46 has been a comfort to me. Uh, it says at the very end, it says, Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He, sh he sets the chariots on fire. Sam's translation is he, he breaks the artillery, he shatters the guns, and he sets the tanks on fire. That's the God we serve. So, but the next verse, we know this verse, but we don't see it in context. In the context of war, God says this, Be still and know that I am God. First to the nations. Nations, be still. I'm the one in control. I'm the one doing what I want to do here. I'm leading history to where I, want, where I want to go, where my son will be glorified. Why? Because I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. And that's not necessarily means you need to have a big church or have it be a seminary professor or do all the things that we think we need to do for God. Sometimes that is just giving love to somebody that God puts right in your path and, show, and just sharing, love with them, sharing Christ's love with them. I have shared the gospel more this year than I did the first 12 years in Ukraine, mainly because they were there, and I sit down and talk, and spiritual things come up. So I'm really glad that the Lord has put me, put us and my family in that position. Pray for us. Pray that uh, my, my children, they are affected by this as well. We have education things we're talking about, what's to do next year. We're going to be in Romania till at least summer, and then we'll reevaluate and see where the Lord wants us to go after that. Um, pray for Ukraine. Pray that um, a lot of our friends that are still there, still ministering, they have sometimes two, two hours of power a day, sometimes four. They're living under really harsh conditions. Uh, most of them have heat, praise the Lord, but not everybody in Ukraine does. And the winter is really setting in. Um, and it's not Texas cold. <laughs> so pray for them. And um, so I just want to end with the, the chorus of this psalm. It says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts is a, song, is a name of God that says he is the captain. He is the general of all the armies of heaven. That's, that, that, that term means, and that God is with us. He's with you. He's with me. He'll never leave us 
or forsake us. So thank you. Thank you so much for being a part. We are so proud to be an extension of you to Ukraine, and we will continue to be faithful as the Lord continues to shed his grace upon us. Thank you so much. Amen. Praise the Lord. Continue to pray for him. If you want to give a special offering to Ukraine, just make, make sure it says Ukraine or Sam on your envelope uh, later on, and we get all of that to him. And uh, what a blessing it is to have a man of God that we can put hands on and know that he's doing the will of God there. And I praise the Lord. I'm not sure that many of us would put our families. You saw those younger children up there. Many of us may not put our families uh, through what they're going through. But listen, it's better to be in the perfect will of God and being in Ukraine than being out of God's will and being in America. So I praise the Lord. Now, let's continue on. We hadn't lost very long. He, he may knock a, a joke or two off here. This is Dr. Jim Moss. He's been in evangelism now 28, 22, 23, 23 years. He's also pastored a church. Uh, We've had a great Louisiana guy this morning. Uh, Brother Jim is a great Arkansas guy, and then he got to Texas as soon as he could uh, and, and has been here. Uh, but he's pastored great churches. They've been soul-winning churches. He's in full-time evangelism, lives in Nacogdoches. He and his wife, uh, Rita, they're, they're wonderful people. And I tell you, he's a man of God. Brother Jim, you come, make yourself at home. Last one out, turn out the lights. Amen. No. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, Senior Pastor Charles Hunt, Miss Becky. What an honor it is to be here with the great folks of Woodland Hills Baptist Church again. This is several years consecutively. Your pastor keeps putting up with me, but it's good to also be with Pastor Kaysen and all the staff. I love each and every one that God has placed on your staff. The choir, the praise team, Brother Aaron, everyone that has contributed today to bring him honor and glory and to worship him in spirit and in truth. I, I tell you, I just feel like praising the Lord today. We're going to continue those uh, uh, thoughts and the theme this morning in your Bible. Would you join me to the book of Genesis chapter number 49? Genesis chapter number 49. While you're turning there, I want to just say this is a highlight of my year. In 52 churches each year, God has really opened doors and blessed us. One of the highlights is to be right here with you good people. I told someone that reminds me this conference, I look forward to it, not just to preach, but to come and to be a part of every song, every sermon, the fellowship, the meals. We had a wonderful service at Mason Creek this morning and uh, kind of reminds me of the old boy that entered his mule into the Kentucky Derby. Some of his friends said, well, you know, your mules don't have a chance. He's not going to win. Well, he may not win, he said, but he's sure going to enjoy the fellowship. Yeah. And that's how I feel this morning. I'm I may not win in the preaching, but I'm going to enjoy the fellowship. Appreciate those in the sound booth, those who are making me sound excellent this morning, and we appreciate so much your prayers. As we look into Genesis 49, one of my favorite stories of the Old Testament, Jacob has now come to the end of his life. He's on his deathbed. Notice with me verses 1 and 2. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together, and hear ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. As I stated, he's on his deathbed. And he calls all of his sons together around his bed, because Jacob has a prophetic word from God to give them concerning their future, each son and descendants on the other side into the promised land. 
I love the story for a number of reasons, but it's certainly one that I need to emphasize this morning. He gave his sons a word from God. Every child, fathers, need to hear a word from God from you. Your example's not enough. Your expertise is not enough. Your education's not enough. Your experiences are not enough. Every child needs to hear a word from God from their father. What else I love about the story is when he called all of the sons together around his bed, each and every one of them showed up. They laid aside any difference and disagreements they may have had to come and to honor their father. What a lesson we ought to receive in that, in that alone. But he begins to give each son a prophetic word. I'm interested in what he had from God to share to the son named Judah. So would you join me as we think about Judah? Beginning in verse number eight, here's the prophecy that Jacob gave his son. Judah, you are he whom your brother shall praise. Your hand shall be in the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is like a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you are gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And to him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his fold to the vine, and his ass coat to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Jacob begins to describe to Judah what Judah's life is going to be and his descendants on the other side in the promised land. A few things that I want to call your attention to. He said, Judah, first of all, you're going to be a man of praise. You're going to be praiseworthy. Everybody's going to praise you, Judah. Your enemies are going to praise you. The brethren's going to praise you. Even your siblings all are going to bow down and praise you and say that you're the best. So Judah, not only will you be a man of praise or praiseworthy, but you'll also be a man of power. You will be powerful. And in this prophecy, he describes Judah as being three lines. He says you're going to be like a lion's whelp. A young adolescent lion. You're going to have the energy of a young lion. You're going to be like an adult lion. You're going to go after your prey, and you're going to couch down enjoying the reward, the harvest of your prey. And then you're going to be like an aged lion. And you're going to be a man of expertise, and don't rouse Jacob. And so, in other words, what, or don't rouse Judah. So Jacob is giving this prophetic word, and uh, he says, Judah, you're the best. You're the best I have. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but can you imagine all the other sons standing around and hear Jacob in his latter moments of his life is showing what would seem to be partiality to this one son when he says, Judah, you're the best that I have. Well, you say, well, maybe his daddy was slipping a little bit there right before he entered into glory. Well, maybe so, but uh, I'm not so much gonna take the word of his daddy. I'd rather hear what mama had to say about him. How about you? What does mama say about Judah? Well, turn with me in your Bible to Genesis chapter number 29. You know the story quite well. Jacob was married to two sisters. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's how it was. And uh, deception from his father-in-law. Of course, the Bible tells us that Jacob loved Rachel, but he had to wait seven years for Rachel. The Bible also tells us that Rachel had Jacob's heart but Leah had Jacob's children. And so I want you to notice with me in verse number 30, uh, this story here, and 
about Rachel and Leah and the children they began to bear. In verse number 30, and he went in also to Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And the Lord saw that Leah was hated. He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And notice verse 32, and Leah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord has looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Verse 33, and she conceived again, bore a son, said, because the Lord has heard I was hated, he has therefore given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again the third time, bore a son, and said, now this time will my husband be joined to me, because I have borne him three sons, therefore was his name called Levi. Do you sense the pattern here? Each time now, now the Lord's showed mercy upon me. Now my husband will love me. Now he will join himself to me. All three of these first sons. But notice, if you will, verse number 35. And she conceived again and bore a son, and she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Leah is now saying, there's no complaint coming out of her mouth. She's not worried about whether or not Jacob's gonna love her and take her in his heart. But she sees something about this fourth child and she looks and she says, now I'm gonna praise the Lord. As a matter of fact, she names him Judah, which means praise. She's saying, Judah is the best I have. Jacob said, Judah is the best we have. But there's a verse that I skipped through back in our original text. I just feel like shouting right now. Verse number 10. I want you to see it with me again, if you will. Genesis chapter 49 and verse number 10. It says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Notice this next phrase, until Shiloh comes. Until Shiloh come, and until him shall the gathering of the people be. You say, Brother Jim, what is Shiloh? May I just say to you, Shiloh is not a what, but Shiloh is a whom. It's the Old Testament name of Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah. He's saying, God is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Jacob, Jacob, you're the best I've got. Leah's saying, uh, Judah, Jacob is saying, and Leah's saying, Judah, you're the best I've got. But God is saying here, you may be the best they have, but he's not the best I've got. When Shiloh comes, I want to preach this morning on this subject, if you'll oblige me just a few moments. He is better than the best. He is better than the best. Judah, you're going to be praiseworthy. You're going to be powerful. And he says also, you're going to be prosperous, a man of prosperity. And he uses symbolic language there. And he says in verse number 11 and verse number 12, can you imagine we would put it in our vernacular, we would say, everything you touch, Judah, is going to turn to gold. The scripture says your vines are gonna be so strong and so large in your vineyard that you'll be able to tie up your donkeys and your horses too, and they'll not break away. You're gonna have so much milk that it's gonna drip from your teeth. You're gonna be a man not only that's praiseworthy and not only that's powerful, but you're gonna be the most prosperous man until shallow comes. Can somebody help me right here? 
Anybody in the house want to begin praising him? I've already praised him with, with my heart and with my hands, lifting them high through the worship time of music. I just want to feel like praising him during the preaching. I'm glad we can assemble here on the first day of this new year we're embarking upon and just come to the house and praise him. I want to speak the name of Jesus, amen, over people. I want to let folks know today that he's alive and he's well and he's worthy worthy of our praise. We ought to tell somebody how wonderful he is, how marvelous he is, how gracious he is. He's our God, our King. God manifested in the flesh, dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory. My, my, my. He's better than the best. Judah, you're the best we have. But Judah, you're not the best God has. Let's think about it just for a moment. Everybody ready? Judah, you're going to be praiseworthy. Your brethren are going to praise you. Your siblings are going to praise you. Even your enemies are going to praise you. That's good. Judah, you're going to be well-respected. You're going to be praiseworthy. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. In Psalms 150, verse number 6, let everything that hath breath Praise ye the Lord. Everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. I read in the book of Philippians chapter number two, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. My, my, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Notice this now. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hallelujah. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name, a name which is above every name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under earth and that every tongue somebody help me right here and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father praiseworthy he's the best you remember he came into Jerusalem and they began to lay those palm branches and uh, he was riding the back of a borrowed donkey and they would cry out to him, blessed be he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Those Pharisees came up to Jesus on the back of that donkey and said, shut them up, shut them up. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, I can shut them up. I can tell them to hold their peace, but if they hold their peace, even the rocks are gonna cry out. Praise be unto Christ. Why? Because the earth right now as we know it, it travaileth and it groaneth because it's waiting for the day of redemption. Hallelujah, one of these days, I pray it soon and very soon that everything's gonna bow and everything's gonna praise him. You know when the birds, when they sing, they're praising the Lord. When the wind blows, it's praising the Lord. When the frogs croak, they're praising the Lord. Why? Everything that hath breath praises the Lord. Man, I feel like preaching this morning. But not only is he praiseworthy, but you think about how powerful that he is. Judah, you're like three lines. A lion's whip, that's an adolescent line. The energy, you think about these children that walked in front of us on the way to children's church. And Lord, how many would like some of that energy back? My three, uh, six grandchildren, they're growing up, I don't have the patience. I'd rather have them when they're young. Man, they're teenagers now, bless God. But when they were young, they were in everything, everywhere at all times. They, Judah's gonna have the energy of a young lion, gonna have the experience of an adult lion, will go after its prey, capture, and couch down and enjoy it. 
and then going to have the expertise of an aged lion, and you better not rouse him. What about Jesus? I'm here to tell you this morning, he's better than the best. Judah, you're going to be the best they have. But when Shiloh come, there's coming one whose name is Jesus, whose name is above every other name. He's not only Jesus, but in the book of Revelation, chapter number five, and one of the elders saith unto me, weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. He is the line from the tribe of Judah. Now folks, there's a difference between a line and the line. I look around here for instance and here's a preacher. Man, if you weren't saved, you, I know you got saved this morning and if you already saved, you probably thought about getting saved again if you heard his sermon on hell. But he's a preacher. Here's a preacher. There's another preacher. There's a preacher. But if I were to say there's the preacher, that puts Pastor Hunt in a different category than the rest of us preachers because he's the senior pastor. Judah, you're going to be A-line until Shiloh comes. He will be the line. There are none like him, the energy of an adolescent line. He's everywhere at all times. He's into everything. Nothing, nothing slips his mind. Nothing slips his eye. He sees every need that you have in your life. And when he knows and meets your need, he's also seeing and meeting my need and seeing and meeting your need. He's like an energetic young child. He's everywhere. But he's also like an adult line that he goes after what he's searching for he goes after what he cares for he seeks that which he knows will be a blessing to his own and you're here this morning some of you have come to church praise god on sunday on the first day of the year because you feel in your heart that god's wanting you to step out and to make a difference this year to turn your life around i'm thankful that you're chosen woodland hills baptist church it's the greatest church that god has not just in longview but everywhere i travel how could you come to this church and hear such worship and such preaching as these pastors are and want to go somewhere else so you came to the right place and you're ready to give your heart to Christ you're ready to turn your life around you're ready to see God make a difference in your life I'm here to tell you he is the different maker he's the way maker he's the one that is most powerful and meets our need but he's also like that aged line you better not rouse him up amen but hey, that's my introduction. I'm ready to get to preaching now. What you laughing at, Brother Roger? Amen, I like you. He said, preach on. Amen. But not only Judah was a man of praise and a man of power, but the prophecy was, Judah, you're going to be a man of prosperity. You're going to be prosperous. And he uses that language. And I want you to notice before we get to our verse there in the book of Isaiah 55, I want you to notice that prophecy again. Jacob's giving Judah. It says, binding his foe in the vine and his donkey's coat to the choice vine. Notice this, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Now, I don't know what you wash your clothes in, but Rita and I wash our clothes in soap and water. Well, what is that saying? That's going to say to us, just as you have water, he has that much wine, prosperous, and milk, so much milk, that if you go over to his house, it's going to, 
drip from his teeth. My, my. Prosperous. Involved with being prosperous. Now, I feel a good shout coming on. Turn with me to Isaiah. You see it, and I appreciate Brother Jason taking care of me with all these scriptures. He's ahead of me. Isaiah 55, two verses. Notice in verses 8 and 9. Now, every one of you know these verses. We've all quoted them, haven't we? Look at what it says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. How many of you recognize those verses? We've quoted them, haven't we? We've applied them. We take those two verses, and especially when we're going through trouble or a trial, when we don't understand what's going on in our life, and we begin to quote the verses, and we'll say, well, God's ways are higher than our ways, and God knows what we don't know, and rightfully so, that's scriptural to take those verses that away. But hold on. That's not the context of those verses. To understand what he's saying in verses 8 and 9, you've got to look at verse number 7. Look at verse number 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God. Notice this, for he will abundantly pardon. Because his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What's he saying? This entire chapter is talking about the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness, and the pardon that God has for us, what we've heard in these songs today. And he's saying that our ways are not his ways, simply meaning that we will never understand this side of heaven, the forgiveness of God how much he loves us, willing to forgive us. And it also means, how could he go in the depths, so much depths of love for us that he would give us mercy and grace? We don't understand that. But thank God, I just want to praise him that he does. Judah, you were prosperous. But when Shiloh comes, my, my. Anybody ready to get happy? I believe you'll want to praise him here in just a few moments. Because you remember what the prophecy was to Judah? The prophecy was much about wine and milk. You're going to have so much wine and so much milk. But when Shiloh comes, notice Isaiah 55, verse number 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye by and eat. Look here. Come by wine and you ought to be shouting right there, Brother West. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why? Because it doesn't cost you and I anything. It's already been paid for. Jesus Christ shed his blood, and we can come without money or price. I don't think y'all getting this yet. Aaron, come up here, brother, and help me out. Will you do that? Man, your wife did outstanding. Lord, all of them did. Praise God. Will you help me out just a moment? Do you think... Uh, you could stay in your place while being Judah. Uh-huh. 
You're not going to get me like you usually do, do you? Okay, all right. We're going to let him be Judah for a moment. And I come up to Judah's tremendous vineyard and all that cattle. And I come up to him, and I'm tired, and I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty. And I say, Judah, do you have any wine or milk that you'd like to sell me? Absolutely. Whatever you need, brother, you take it. It's yours. Praise God. So I get some milk and some wine from him, and I pay him, and I go away. Well, I come back the next day, and he sees that I'm hungry and thirsty again. And I say, Judah, you were so gracious to me yesterday. You let me buy some wine and milk. Can I buy some wine and milk from you again today? Absolutely, brother. I've got whatever you need. Take it. It's yours. Amen. So I buy some wine and milk. I pay him for it. You ain't like you rehearsed this. <laughs> so I come back the third day. And I say, Judah, you've been good to me. I said, you can tell I'm hungry and I'm thirsty again. I've been traveling. I said, I'd like to have some more of that milk and wine, but I've got a problem. I don't have any money, but I need some wine and milk. Would you help me, brother? Absolutely. Whatever you need, I've got it. It's yours. And I leave there refreshed, and I didn't pay a dime for it. That Judah's a good man, isn't he? I come back the fourth day. <laughs> Judah, here I am, I'm back again. <laughs> Man, I got problems. I sure could use some more wine and milk, but I, I still haven't got any money. I'm going to give you some. I've got some extra. It's yours. Thank you, brother. So I go away. I return the fifth day. You see me. I still haven't got any money, but I'm thirsty and I'm hungry. Will you help a brother out one more time? You're beginning to exhaust my patience. <laughs> and you're exhausting my resources. But I'm going to help you. He helps me that fifth day. But when I come back that next day, what are you going to tell me? Everything I've got left is for me and my family. Amen. Thank you, brother. You did outstanding. That was Judah. But when Shiloh came, Shallow. I may have exhausted his patience. I may have exhausted his supply. But with Jesus, you can't exhaust his patience. You keep coming every day. And there's forgiveness. You remember the verse, water and wine, milk and Wine represents God's mercy, God's forgiveness, His grace, His love, His abundant pardon. Sometimes I had to come to Him every day, and you come to Him every day. Sometimes I come to Him several times a day, and you come to Him several times a day, and He never gets exhausted. His patience never runs out. His well never runs dry. He always is there and has enough to supply. Hallelujah. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Mm. And crown him Lord of lords of all. Let me close. 
Judah, you are a man of power, a man of prosperity, a man of praise. But that verse, when shallow comes, notice it talks about the scepter shall never depart. That's a symbol of authority. And it says the lawgiver between his feet, the one who gives the law. Judah, you will be a man of authority and you will give the law. What good is a law without authority to enforce it? And what good is authority with no law? That's a dictatorship or tyranny. But there's one thing that Judah could never do. That word shallow means bringer of tranquility. Bringer of peace. Judah could never bring peace. But Jesus is the bringer of peace. Mm. Y'all remember that maniac, that lunatic? No, not your neighbor. I'm talking about in the scripture. That lived and dwelled in a cemetery among tombs. And he was cutting himself with stones and they would chain him. But they could not bind him. He'd break away. Well, apparently that cemetery was right on the bank of the Sea of Galilee. It overlooked that sea. And one night, there's a little ship tossing to and fro. And it was about to go under. Those on board were about to drown. And I imagine that lunatic would see such ships during so many storms in that Sea of Galilee. He would probably laugh it off and say, ah, here goes another one. But that night, he saw a man stand up in the bow of that boat and rebuke the waves and rebuke the wind. Yes, he did. Because the Bible says when that ship hit the bank shoreline, that maniac ran out there to the one he saw that stood in that boat and calmed the waves and the wind. The Bible said he was full of demons, and the Lord Jesus cast those demons from him, legions into the swine. And then it was said in the Scripture that later they saw this maniac clothed and in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. How could he do it? Because of the peace that only the Lord can give. Do you need that peace today? Would you please bow your heads? Thank you, Father. You've been so good to us this morning. What a sweet spirit in this place. Oh, today, this morning, with every head bowed as we sit here and we prepare for a time to respond. I know today somebody's here, either present or viewing by means of live stream, that you just don't have the peace with God in your heart. You say, you mean God would forgive me? He says, come without any money. And you take all the forgiveness, all my mercy, all my abundant pardon. You take it all. That's how much he loves us. That's how much we, we want to praise him for what he's done for us. And what he's done for us, he can do for others. He can do for you, and he will do. You know what? It'd be a great start to this new year. For you right now, where you're sitting, you would just say, yes, Jesus, 
I want to cry out for forgiveness. Lord, I want to make sure today that I belong to you, that you know me. I've been running from you, Lord. I need salvation. I need that milk and that wine. I come without out money. But I'm grateful, Lord, that you paid the price in full. Lord, would you forgive me and save me this morning? No one's looking, not even those on the camera. Certainly no one at home through social media. But I want to pray for you today. Would you be honest and open this morning? Would you like to taste of that milk and wine spiritually that God says, Ho, if you're thirsty, come, buy and drink without money? Would you like to receive him in your heart today? I'm not going to come down there where you are. I just want to pray for you right here where I'm standing because I don't want you to leave today the same way you arrived when when you heard so much praising for how good God is and what he's done to so many of us. If you're here right now, would you raise your hand high? You'd say, Brother Jim, I, I'd like for you to pray for me right where you're standing. I don't know if I'm saved or not. Amen. I see one hand in the balcony. I see your hand. I'm looking at you. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for having confidence in me. Somebody else, raise your hand. You two up there, I see both of you. Just a moment, I'll be back to you. Someone else? Very quickly, what about down here on the floor? Isn't God good today that he would bring such of us into the service like he brought these to hear a word of salvation? If you raised your hand, nobody's looking yet, would you raise your head now and look at me? If you raised your hand, just look at me right now. I want to pray for you, okay? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for these three that have confidence in me to pray for them. Lord, most of all, they're sensing your spirit convicting their hearts. They want to come taste of that spiritual wine and milk, salvation, which means forgiveness. We have no money to bring, but simply to the cross of Christ we cling. And right now, Father, may they just say yes to Jesus and be saved. And I thank you, Lord, that they allowed me to pray for them. But you three, listen to me right now in this prayer. Look this way again. I'm still praying for you. Thank you for letting me pray for you. But now we need you to come and let us pray with you where you can drink of that milk and wine that only Jesus offers. In a moment, we're going to all stand. Others will probably come to this altar and pray. You'll not be alone. Pastor Kaysen will be here. Others perhaps will be here in the altar. You come to one of them. Will you do that? Amen. Will you do that? Let's stand. Father, we thank you. Everybody's got their head bowed. If you need to make a decision, these are going to come and trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen.